All right, welcome to The Human Condition. This is the first episode that I actually have a guest on, so thanks a lot for sparing a bit of time from the beautiful, gorgeous uh, Portugal. It's super sunny over there, right? Wow, I didn't know that <laughs> it was the first time that you had another guest. I mean, it's it's the first time during the lockdown quarantine, yeah, it's the first time. So it's uh, episode number four, and uh, yeah, you're, you're the special guest after the quarantine lockdown. Thanks for thanks for joining. First of all, I think there's a backstory of of um, us meeting, which we'll get to in a second. But maybe introduce yourself first to everybody that's listening. So hi everyone, uh, my name is Michelle, and I'm a recipe developer and nutritionist. Um, although we're not going to be talking too much about that on the podcast, we're mainly speaking about a subject that Dear and I became connected on when we met during. Um, a contact improvisation contact dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sort of spiraled out from that, uh, these types of conversations and this interest area. And we thought it would be great to record some to of To get that. on on a recording, on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So I think, look, I think it's, it's super interesting. Of course, first of all, the way that we met, uh, for me personally, I was I was kind of going through a curiosity phase where there was a lot of um, sort of doubts whether I wanted to even sort of explore the the world of contact dance or even sort of movement, body movement. For somebody in my size, that's there's a lot of sort of insecurities and, and questions that I personally had to go through before deciding to actually go ahead and experience contact dance. Um, I've been part of like ecstatic dance before, but I felt like that was kind of like a collective experience that there wasn't much really technique needed for um you know for you to to explore contact but yeah so the first time that we we got introduced is in a contact session that was sort of somehow the universe orchestrated it for us to be completely on our own i thought that was super super interesting and um uh yeah and then you kind of like and then we 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 realized that there was a connection as well because you grew up in dubai and we we built that connection uh as the session went through but it was very interesting to for you to kind of like offload the information of what really contact dance is and for me that was my first experience with contact dance but before we get there um and to intro this this podcast a little bit so today we're going to be exploring the idea of using the human body as a vessel using the human body as a sort of a ship, a vessel that we um, use it to explore, experience, grow, and also heal trauma. So uh, we're going to be touch basing on these topics separately. Um, but to start with, I think the, the, the one that's pretty much closest maybe to contact dance is exploration and ex expression in general. Uh, what was your history with contact dance? Well, I was first introduced to contact through um, Tara and uh, who you also know and a few other people in the community. I think I've always been interested in dance and movement, but I found the whole, there are different aspects of it that I found a little off-putting, the, the dance scene in general. One is the choreographed aspect of it, which contact improvisation is completely different to. And the second aspect is sort of the hierarchical aspect of it. So oftentimes in modern dance or in salsa or in tango, there's a there's a leader and there's a follower. And often those hierarchies are based on gender also. So the male is the leader and the female plays a different type of role. Um, and then in modern dance, you have the choreographed aspect of it, which I don't know, it seems appealing to me because it looks great. But then as soon as I try and do it, I just suck and I'm horrible at it. So I don't know. So I just really found my kind of space in contact improv because 
it's very much based on this idea. There's a structure and there's a framework around the movement. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say rules, but sort of that there is a framework for it. It's not just completely a free for all, which is probably more similar to ecstatic dance. Um, There are some kind of rules, I guess, say things like you maintain a point of contact during the dance. Um, Generally, there's no leader and follower. You sort of create the dance as you're doing the dance but with no hierarchy. So one person is a leader and one person's the follower and you, you, you flip those roles around at any point and very quickly or slowly, it's sort of um, a self-perpetuating dance. And I like that aspect to it. And I think it's also, there's some, um, I guess, meditative aspects to it, which maybe you've found. Since I started that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, for, for everybody that maybe is, is kind of like a little bit uh, unsure of what we're talking about, I do recommend you guys checking out um, probably any photos or videos of contact dance just to get a reference point. But what we're talking about is if there's a way to ex- express it or ex- sort of like explain to people who don't know what contact dance is, it's like you were saying earlier is finding a like keeping one point of contact with the, the, the partner that you're dancing with. But at the same time, it's being in motion and being able to there, there's these really amazing moments where you lift another person while you're dancing, while you're in motion. And um, and it's this unchoreographed, completely based on expression, completely based on connection with the other person. And if you do feel like you're losing that connection, sometimes it's OK to kind of find another partner and leave and and explore and, 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 and kind of connect your energy with a different vibration, because some people might be on a much quicker vibration. Some people might be on a much slower vibration than you. So I found that exploration part super interesting as well, while, especially during the jam sessions. Yeah, that's actually what you touch on is really interesting because often people say that that point where, where you kind of lose a reference point and you're just sort of lost is actually where original movement and original creativity in the movement expression arises because obviously with choreography choreography it's exactly the opposite of that it's this predefined movement sequence that you're trying to follow as rigidly as possible you're not trying to do something different to what everyone else is doing at all and this is the exact opposite of that it's sort of like that moment where you lose control or you you're a bit confused or maybe there's some awkwardness or maybe there's some clunkiness or one person moves one way and then you kind of try to turn that awkwardness into part of the dance and that's the really cool thing about contact um we're just we're just able to take these moments and create something creative out of that and i think then that idea can be expanded into your life. Um, this is, and this is something that people talk about when it comes to meditation. You know, this idea that we don't polarize good and bad. You know, in, in normal dance vernacular, let's say, people use words like, oh, that was so smooth, that was so graceful, that was so this and that, and that's good. And if you're not smooth, then that's bad. And we don't have that in contact. It's sort of like every every movement pattern is is interesting and and a point for expanding creativity further it's not it's not about polarizing it and i think that's something that people who start contact find really awkward because they're like this feels so weird why why am i touching someone in this way or like i don't know what to do or 
there's just this awkwardness that you have to overcome to really get into that zone. Hundred percent. I felt. I mean, I'm. You know, I've I've never really tried different modalities of dance, and I I must say that starting that first session that we've had together, uh, maybe you're just a really good teacher. I don't know, but like it was it was that comforting experience where it was. You know, I've I've I I knew the hundred percent that I was definitely not uh, graceful in my moves in terms of like how smooth my moves were. But it's it's un, it's knowing that it's okay, and it's knowing that you know if you want to roll down on the floor, then that's part of the expression. And what I loved about it is there could be, you could create a narrative through the dance and which is of course in, in all types of dance, but this narrative is always um, improvised and it's always evolving and it's progressive, which keeps the imagination engaged with your body movement as well, um, which I found very, very interesting. Now, maybe let's take it a little step back as well. Um, you said something very cool about how contact dance and creating that body movement and body flow connects with your daily life. Um, how long have you been doing contact and what did you find, uh, you know, as a result of doing contact, it sort of affected your daily life in? I think I started, it's been a few years that I've been doing contact now, I think three or four years. Um, I think one interesting thing is that well, one of the things is, you know, what I said about the polarization. It, it sort of consolidated this idea that you don't need to polarize experiences into categories of good and bad. They can just be things that are happening to you and they could even be interesting or funny. So I think perhaps my reaction to bad things sort of changed into making them sort of comedic or absurd or kind of leaning into those things. Interesting. Um, I think one aspect was with piano, you know, I'm not very good at piano and I used to play a lot when I was younger, but I all of a sudden understood more how to improvise on the piano and I was less afraid to sort of just make sounds and then I was and then thinking oh that's actually just how what songs are like obviously some people play sounds that sound better but it's not before I just had this rigidity to understanding how piano worked and I couldn't fathom the idea of improvising it just there was some just barrier in my mind and then it wasn't until I started contact I was like oh I get how this improvisation thing works you just sort of yeah. do things and then that's and actually, this is funny. This relates. I was having a conversation with a friend this morning about not being a teenager and not thinking that I didn't know how to dance. And I remember going to parties and watching people and thinking, how do they know what to do? Like what movements to do? And I didn't realize it was just about moving your body. And then that's just the dance. There's no like school that you have to go to or like you don't have to yeah. learn you just kind of move and then you do it 100 percent, and a lot of it maybe lies in the perception of what we think you, see, you know i think as kids we're probably more um uh prone to, to to lean into the feeling of dancing and not really caring so much about what we're doing or how we look like for other people because it's just an expression that we really feel if the music's really good the reaction is to move our bodies um, or you know if we're super excited to, to automatically sort of start moving but with social conditioning, we start thinking about, you know, is this the right place to dance? You know, if you're walking through downtown and, and it's in the middle of like a busy street area and you hear your favorite song, what, what's going to be your first reaction? Are you going to dance or are you just going to sort of, you know, just sort of keep walking? And I feel like we lose that element of, of spontaneous activity um, and improvisation as well. And improv is, is literally, just maybe it is sometimes breaking into a dance if you feel like it and being okay with that. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and we lose that as we grow up. But I think the connection I'm trying to build to here is we, we tend to 
you know, sort of like build our day in a way that doesn't allow for a lot of flow, movement, um, especially with, with this quarantine situation that we are in. Um, you know, at the very beginning, personally, I was super motivated to move and, and get into motion. But at the moment, I feel, I definitely feel some days are harder for me to be able to get up, you know, create some kind of motion and movement. Um, but I always see the connection between the days that I'm not moving and how I feel in my flow state and the days that I am moving and how that really just keeps things going. Um, we, we had a chat earlier and you made a very good reference about how trauma gets stuck in the body and how basically animals don't really connect with trauma the same way that we do. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that is very interesting. This is something I only kind of started getting into later, um, after doing contact for a few years before it was very much into it for these, you know, meditative reasons that we talk about in improvisation. And then I started learning about, Uh, practitioners like Peter Levine and Bessel van der Kolk, and they um, they talk about this idea of trauma being trapped inside the body. And as the story I was saying to you is about, you know, we never look at a rabbit who's say left its little burrow and it's been chased by a fox and then it managed to escape and then it manages to get back home. That rabbit doesn't experience PTSD or anything like that. They, you know, emerge the next day and then they just continue their lives. And um, Peter Levine was kind of looked at animals and he sort of questioned, you know, they go through these very traumatic experiences, especially ones that are chased by predators. You know, why don't they experience trauma in the same way that we do? Um, and we become so stunted by it. And he realized that that animals have a way of actually going to a quiet, calm place and going through the traumatic experience from the beginning to the end and then being able to release that from the nervous system. And the key is really about calming the nervous system. And of course, all forms of, um, let's say, body work or, or spiritual, I don't know if you'd call it spiritual movement, but mind-body connection, things like yoga, things like, um, you know, kundalini and breath work and all these types of things, they encourage us to breathe in a certain way and pay attention to our body in a certain way. And contact does this also. And it's the idea of calming the nervous system And, um, you know, so these practitioners sort of counter the idea that we need to always talk about our problems. In fact, they say that often talking about them just creates, uh, you know, us to re-experience them over and over. And it's, it's actually worse for us, some of them would argue, mm -hmm. because it brings the trauma into the present. And, and if we think about trauma, you know, if we try to define it in the sense of, Trauma is when the past colonizes the present moment. So if we think yeah. of it in that sense, it's sort of like, what does body work do? Body work brings us into the moment and we live in that exact moment that we're in. And that is actually, it's not about talking about the past. That's just bringing it in more. It's sort of embodying the moment through body work and breath work and things like that. And that actually allows our nervous system to... Yeah, to just heal and to feel like we're comfortable and happy again. So it's really it's I, interesting. 100%. And I think there's even a, a sort of a, I'm not going to say scientific sort of approach to this as well, but there's definitely a lot of the doctors say sometimes that the biggest, um, um, sometimes, you know, when, when you're diagnosed with, with these chronic conditions, you've had to go through a traumatic 
sort of experience in your life. And they do ask a lot of questions. Sometimes the doctors like, what have you gone through in the last five years, three years, or even 10 years? Have you gone through, uh, you know, something major in your life that caused some trauma? Um, you know, maybe not on major level, but I think personally, you know, there has been experiences where I've dealt with a lot of trauma through dance and through movement, but he, like super unaware of the experience that I was going through because I was, I guess in a bit of a trance and I was going through sort of just sort of body motion and movement and ideas started floating in my head and I started getting into the space where I was like processing the idea while I was moving. And I felt like that was a very cool merger between body and mind. And I feel like a lot of the times when we're just sort of dancing and I don't mean dancing in a form like you're going to a club and dancing. That's definitely not the form that we're speaking of, but it's kind of like in, in a meditative space in a in a space where the thought is allowed to be examined, the thought is allowed to be brought up, and while you're still in this motion, you're still able to connect what you're thinking of and what you're doing with your body as well. And personally, I think that's helped me a lot with um, getting over the death of my mother, for example. I think that's something that I carried on for, for quite a long time, but it only showed up in, and it only made sense when it actually showed up in a, in a, in a dance. And, and for me, kind of that's, uh, you know, that's proof that the, the, the body connection to the mind, it works. And there's a great quote that says the body speaks what the mind can't. And, you know, the, the body definitely keeps the score. They will say that the body keeps the score of what happens to us and, and whether that's good experiences or bad experiences, uh, it's a bunch of chemical reactions that's, that's going throughout our entire body. So um, it's definitely, you know, taking care of, of um, or, or being aware of what's happening to us is, is super important in that space. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I have an interesting um, story in regards to that, like similar to what you experienced. I have a friend who's, who is really into rolfing. I'm not sure if you're that familiar with rolfing as a practice. It's sort of a type of massage, but it's to do with uh, fascia rather than your muscles. Um, I don't know a lot about it, but her the, the experience that she um, relayed was, I think uh, she was having some kind of massage inside her mouth and it's it re it triggered this her to remember a story about a really um traumatic dental procedure she had as a child and she sort of was suddenly like remembered that and relived it for you know she hadn't thought about it in so long and was just able to process it you know because of having that experience and it is interesting how that happens we sort of forget but then our body has that stored memory of whatever that was that happened to you yeah 100 percent. and and a lot of us maybe are not even aware of like what the body is keeping score of because we could get for example and it doesn't always have to be in a in a super large magnitude but it could be the fact that you know maybe you've lost your job and you were in a certain situation and then you kind of your body makes that connection because it was a shock to the system and we you know in amazing ways i think the brain and the body always keeps the score um so it's it's super important for us to find ways whether it's through meditation or body work or movement to be able to process these traumas um have you had personally any experiences where you felt like you've processed some thoughts traumas uh. I, I have but they're actually it's almost too uh, personal to tell the story sure <laughs> but okay. i have had but i have had um i actually so i can tell a, a bit about the actual uh, bodywork technique that i had done it was a lady uh, she studies well she, i think she sort of pioneered this bodywork um a technique called maya reformation <laughs> 
Uh, she's a lady in Zimbabwe and it's I'd say it's a kind of a mixture between lymph drainage and lymph massage and rolfing it's sort of a combination of those two things and this was before I really kind of believed this sort of stuff I was like oh this sounds kind of hippie and ridiculous like I don't know if I believe this and then um, so and I went to her anyway because uh, you know I'd heard had good reviews from going to her and she did this it's really painful actually it's not pleasant at all you're really sweating and it's just painful it's not great but then a few days later basically my body recreated a really traumatic experience that had happened to me I basically had 20 minutes of that exact same trauma just recreated again and it was wow. just super intense and really really awful and I went to her the, the, the next session and I hadn't mentioned anything about this experience and I just told her what happened and she said to me, oh, you've, you've had this trauma, you've had these symptoms and you've had this experience at some other point in your life, have you not? And I was like, yeah, I have. And she said, yes, and that, that was trapped in your body and you just had oh, never wow. really processed it. So you needed to kind of finish the, the processing of yeah. it. So that was really the pivotal point where I just sort of thought, oh, wow, there really is something to this. And, you know, I'd like to explore it more. It's very funny. I think taking this to the to the extreme and maybe a lot of the listeners here, I don't know how, how well they know this, but in Peru and in the shamanic cultures, um, there is a practice uh, where and I've seen a documentary on this. I haven't seen this in person or in real life, but there's there's a practice where they they call them they're they're knots in the body. And the shaman would basically come and sometimes remove what seems to be like bones out of your body but it could be it's super random again i've never seen it in real life but you know the the shaman would then kind of like suck this bone out of you or, or like an insect or something and spit it out and uh it's super i would say uh tribal in in the form of <laughs> of the practice but uh, i guess the idea of things things getting stuck in our body is 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 an ancient um practice or an ancient at least thought that you know the humans might have pain or might have uh, disease stuck in the body in a certain way and to, to be able to relieve that you've got different modalities and different practices that you can uh, you can adopt yeah definitely and and I think that you know if people want to check out the work because I think this can sound kind of absurd to many people but you know there's also a lot of science behind this and people have done MRI scans of the brain to see how we react in certain trauma situations and you know, done certain body work that that have helped people recover very quickly. There's a lot of sort of stories and documentation of this. And it's about rewiring the brain, right? I mean, we do this through meditation sometimes, but it's it's even more sort of powerful when there's a body movement practice to it that you can sort of start rewiring events uh, in your brain as well. I mean, uh, you know, we we normally spend most of our time thinking about the future or reflecting about the past. And to be in the present, there's a powerful moment to be in the present, but also try to work through these traumas while you're still in the present, not worrying too much about the past or reliving the past. Um, so the body movement part definitely brings you to the present and um, allows that processing or healing process to, to start. Yeah. And, and that's also the interesting thing about improvisation. I think, you know, that's where improvisation differs from other dance forms and maybe musical forms also. Um, because when you have to recreate the next experience, you're forced to be in the moment. You cannot be for a moment, you know, anyone who might be familiar with say Ashtanga yoga or Bikram yoga, you know, you do the same sequence and it's really easy after a few years or even months of doing it where you just sort of switch off because you, you already know what you're doing and that's impossible in the format of improvisation. You just cannot because 
the very essence of the practice requires that you not do that. So maybe you've experienced that in music also. I mean, it is, I don't know, you know, that much about improvising with music or playing, but I can, I know that you did mention that classical, classically trained uh, musicians find it quite hard to improvise for that reason. Cause it's just a, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's something I, I personally, that's what I found is I found people who are super classically trained. They, they tend not to even get into the field of writing songs, but they're like amazing musicians who technically their skill set is super, super good, but there's a barrier almost in their imagination of like trying to write something. Um, but again, it's a personal opinion. And, and that's maybe the experiences that I've had with, uh, the musicians around me is the ones who weren't trained at all are the ones that sort of experience and, and have the liberty or feel the freedom to explore when it comes to writing music, um, which maybe brings us back to the conversation a bit more around contact dance. And uh, I'm sure we've, we've made it, hopefully we've made a few people curious to check it out. <laughs> so uh, at the moment you are in Portugal, but if, if uh, you are not, how do you recommend for people to, because you're based in Dubai, but um, is there any recommendations for the listeners to, to kind of like connect with the, with the contact dance community? So we have a, a contact improvisation uh, Facebook group. And we also have a WhatsApp group. Actually, the WhatsApp group is more active and that's sort of where everyone shares um, information about the classes. Yeah. And hopefully once this crisis is over, we'll continue with um, the classes. Because, we'll yeah, they're usually held every week. But yeah, it's it's interesting the, um, the way in which contact is sort of conducted because it's very much the case that if you go to um, some bigger cities like Toronto or New York or LA, Oftentimes there's actually not a class available to attend. Um, you just have to enter a jam, which is essentially a free movement session. Um, and you kind of, if you go there without knowing what contact is or ha having never done it before, you'll kind of spend most of your time watching from the sidelines because you'll be too intimidated to join. And, and the other thing is that, um, in more sort of like elitist contact jams, like in New York, no one will really want to dance with you because they'll realize very soon that you're bad at dancing. So they won't want to kind of engage. Yeah. And it sounds harsh, but it, it's sort of interesting that very slow induction into a, a practice where it's you, yeah. yeah, it's kind of nice. You, you're watching and then you dip in and you dip out and then you keep coming back to this community and you sort of learn from older people and younger people and you dance with people of all different experience levels and, and then you sort of gradually integrate into the community. And I think that sort of makes the community strong because you really have to sort of put that groundwork in. You're not just immediately, you know, accepted into it because yeah. it, there's no like sort of teaching. It's just you yeah. learning and having your own experience to, to spend the time and experience it. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I've, I've not done it for, t I can't even remember when I started to be honest, but <laughs> I'm like, I do remember that I was, I was there a few times. <laughs> um, but I can, you know, I can definitely save that from my experience. It was um, to be able to reflect on uh, just being more comfortable with my movement, with with my my body in general, with the fact that you know exploration through through being able to to feel the energy of different people while they're moving and almost like a reflection of who they are by the way that they're moving uh, was very very interesting for me. And and I guess somebody who's um, 
I don't know if I'm an extrovert or an introvert, but I guess it's like some, maybe somewhere in between. I do feel like sometimes I love to be around people and other times I'm kind of like just, I prefer to be on my own. Um, but it's an amazing way to connect. It's an amazing way to uh, express yourself and uh, find find flow within your body. I feel like that's, uh, you know, that's something that we sometimes miss. Even if you're doing sports, like you were saying earlier, the body-mind connection is super important. And to be able to allow that sort of freedom of thought to come up or narrative to come up that allows that um, traumatic uh, maybe processing or to kind of even allow imagination to kick in is is uh, is important in this practice and as you said also like you bring in that childlike aspect to it that you don't we don't get to sort of do these days you know I've I, I feel that the, the community in Dubai is not as eccentric as other parts of the world but I've seen you know, that people will come in and they'll just run around like a crazy person doing this for an hour, like in circles, yeah. <laughs> and then they'll leave and go home. And there's no problem with that, you know, like it's not frowned upon or the, no one says sure. that, that person's weird. Like it's just a space to come in and be weird. And you can even just yeah. roll around in circles on the floor on your own with headphones on and then go home. Like you don't really yeah. have to do anything. And I think that can be very liberating for people. So I, I do remember the very first time, or the very first few times that I had a recording of our sessions and I was showing it to some friends and they were looking at me like, what's what's happening with you, man? You're a little bit weird. I'm like, no, you should try it. You should really try it. <laughs> then I think that's actually one of the things that lets contact down unfortunately because it's a very experiential um experience yeah, yeah it practice and it, it doesn't look good there are some videos where people who are really skilled and you know maybe they're professional dancers and they bring those aspects into it and there are videos where it can look beautiful but in general unless you're at that level it's more about the experience than looking good and and then that can let it down because it's not like you said people see a video and they're not like oh i want to do that they're like uh that looks weird no thanks so yeah, yeah. and and from, from maybe as a recommendation for somebody that was kind of a little bit skeptical at the very beginning whether i should join or not is like you were saying is you just show up and you don't have to participate if you don't feel like it there's you know, you could definitely be on the sideline. You could, you can, you can be a witness at the very beginning and just sort of dip in when you feel a bit more comfortable. It's really about having the liberty to experience something new, to express yourself in a new way. And uh, as long as you're, you're happy to be touched and be in contact with other people, then I think it'll be fine. <laughs> um, that's, that's a big, of course, a big part of the contact dance practice. But uh, uh, Michelle, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, we wanted to keep this uh, short and sweet. I'm sure the listeners have had a lot of value uh, through your experiences and, and the, the information that you brought, uh, brought out as well. So thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for interviewing me. And I hope that some people come along to contact to enjoy it. And I'll see you back in Dubai on the dance floor. Yes. <laughs>